Good morning, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenster on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, daily in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, uh, on uh, this beautiful Wednesday morning here in Tucson. It's a beautiful day in the Space City of the Southwest. It's hump day to all of our listeners and to uh, Matt Neely making the magic happen on the other side of the glass. Happy hump day, Matt. Good morning to you. Morning, Zach, and uh, National Brown Baggot Day as well. <laughs> Now, see, why was there a gap yesterday? There was just nothing to celebrate yesterday, I guess. But today, today we're back on track. <laughs> you bet. Uh, I love it. Again, for any of our listeners who pop in and out throughout the week, Matt and I do not talk about what the special day is. But today is brown bag lunch to work day. That's what I heard. That's what I heard, Matt. Um, uh, looking forward to today's show. A bit of a switch. Uh, the thing that isn't changing in our usual kind of Wednesday format. Uh, Ruben Navarrete will be with us. He's the nation's most widely read Latino columnist uh, from his sunny perch in San Diego, California. And uh, we bring him on to talk about national issues. And, uh, of course, there is uh, great sadness that what he and I talked about, you know, in the 10 o'clock hour yesterday in terms of what we're going to talk about today is not what we're going to probably end up talking about today, of course. In the meantime, between my conversation with him yesterday and this morning, uh, we are all processing through uh, the the just uh, difficult events in Uvalde, Texas yesterday. Um, and, you know, I put this on my social media yesterday. Um, I, I hugged my little guy a bit tighter at bedtime for sure. And just grieving for the unimaginable pain that Uvalde parents um, are feeling right now. Of course, we're talking about um, the the shooting and death of what I think is now over uh, 20 individuals uh, at an elementary school. Uh, and I put this, and I think we're still in that 24-hour period. I don't, uh, you know, I don't know how to argue the politics on either side. Um, I'm not, you know, offering. You know, thoughts and prayers per se, as the uh, as we often say. You know, my my little guy and I prayed for those parents and kids and families yesterday for sure. But uh, whenever this kind of stuff happens, we either seem to see on the socials thoughts and prayers, or we jump right into the politics. And that's what I meant by the post um, yesterday. Is I think there's a there's a moment to just grieve, no matter what. You know where you line up on all the pieces on this scenario. There's a moment of grief and a moment of sadness uh, for a number of families who won't see their little ones again. And so, anyway, Ruben Navarrete will help me debrief uh, that again. Less than 24 hours away, this country has no chill. By the way, um, I'm going to say y'all, not necessarily you listening, uh, but y'all out there, calm down. You know, our reality is not just social media. Nobody needs to see your hot takes within the first 10 minutes of something happening. And I say this out of love, truly. But this country has no chill. We take anything and everything and use it to support our worldview. And sometimes, sometimes we just need to sit for a moment and grieve. 
and join others in grief. So I don't know what my fourth segment with Ruben is going to be. I really don't. We, we know we're going to talk about this. As usual, he's got a laundry list of 10 to 12 different topics we could touch on. Uh, but uh, grieving for the families in Texas um, this morning. And I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Uh, we're going to talk with, in the next segment, we're just about to go there, with um, uh, uh, Startup Tucson. We're going to talk about the RAIN initiative, Rising Arizona Investor Network. Uh, we'll pick back up with our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Loxton, next week. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, disappointed, of course, to um, not have Pastor Jeff with us in the seat. He's always a great guest, and he's uh, had to step away for a couple weeks. He'll be back in. Um, our plan was and will be to talk about the shocking um, report out of the Southern Baptist Convention. Again, I, I don't... I don't get up in the morning excited to talk about these topics. Of course, the the the, the sexual abuse that is it has been has been covered up by a major faith institution. Um, but if I have a faith and culture contributor in the seat at the intersection of church, culture, faith, and community, we can't not talk about that. And so I wanted to get his views as a pastor uh, uh, of a church. But we'll talk about that later uh, in its place again. Uh, we're looking forward to having a conversation with the Rising Arizona Investor Network, helping entrepreneurs access funding to grow, thrive, and scale here in Southern Arizona. So I'm looking forward to the conversation ahead. So there we go. Welcome to Tipping Point. It's Wednesday, May 25th. Good morning to you. Let's go to our first break of the hour. When we come back, Kanisha Raymond will be with us from Startup Tucson. Don't go anywhere. Local news and talk. 1030, The Voice. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. 
Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer.com. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is proud to present Brad Callhammer, 1159 to Tucson, a solo exhibition of works by Tucson-born, Mason, New York-based Brad Callhammer, who creates highly personal narratives that are autobiographical reflections on three realms of his life, his indigenous heritage, his middle American upbringing in a white adoptive family, and his work as an artist and musician. To learn more and to get your tickets, go to Tucson Museum of Art. Zach Yenzer here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenzer for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Kate Delaney. Join me tonight for a conversation about what's happening in the world that affects you. Tonight at 10 on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And good morning again, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. We're live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point on this Hump Day Wednesday. Congratulations, you made it to Wednesday. The rest, we hope, is smooth sailing. Uh, in with us for a conversation this morning now is Kanisha Raymond, Director of Programs and Access to Capital for Startup Tucson, to talk about an exciting new initiative called RAIN, Rising Arizona Investor Network. Kanisha Raymond, we'll get you a little closer to the mic, uh, but great to see you. Good to be with you. It's your first time on the show. I didn't think it was, but it's great to have you. Great to be here today. Thank you for having me. For sure. How are you today? I am great. It is hump day. It is hump day. We're almost over that, and I'll be glad when it's Friday. Wonderful. Wonderful. So um, let's let's talk about the Rising Arizona Investor Uh, Investor Network. Okay, so the Rising Arizona Investor Network, which is RAIN. um, RAIN is a program that we put together. We got a grant for earlier, well, late last year. Um, And so now we're able to bring that to life. 
it is for entrepreneurs around Southern Arizona, but also people that want to invest in entrepreneurs. What we saw in 2020 was that people would come together and we would invest to keep our businesses alive. But how can we do that if we take a collective network of people and train them how to really invest in our businesses? What we've seen is that our BIPOC businesses and diverse businesses, as well as early startups, have a hard time getting access to capital. They're not ready for our angel investors. Mm. They're not there yet, but we can get them over that hump if we come together as a community and help them give over that. So that's where RAIN came from. It's an initiative of Startup Tucson. It's designed to help individuals learn more about how to invest and support Southern Arizona entrepreneurs and companies with emerging investment tools. So that's what Mm. we focus on. We focus on education first. We take that education and we're able to build off of that. So not all of us are able to be accredited investors. Mm -hmm. We don't qualify. But we do have that collective income to bring together and invest on platforms. So we're going to teach people how to invest on equity funding, crowdfunding, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many questions that I have uh, on this, on this Kanisha, because I think this is also a reflection of our, um, I think the phrase is entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, in other words, in, it, it seems like our entrepreneurial ecosystem is a little bit less inclined towards some of the big unicorn startups mm-hmm. that are out of the gate looking for, you know, that, you know, a, you know, a series A funding, so on and so forth. We have, like you said, the, you know, the angels, we have networks of larger dollars. But is it fair to say that most of our entrepreneurs, these entrepreneurs that you work with that started Tucson are more small to mid-size kind of startups that um, are, are, as you said, looking for kind of some of those smaller initial infusions of capital or... What what is the need for this, I guess, say about the ecosystem that we're in? So I think that when we think about startups, as startup being the term, in quotations, um, it's that we're looking at these tech companies that are out the gate looking for hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're looking for pre-seed rounds and seed rounds to kind of go and infuse capital into what they're doing. What we see here in Tucson, and we serve a wraparound of industries. We're industry agnostic. We see our smaller businesses. We see our food businesses. We see creatives. We see entrepreneurs that are changing the trajectory of the economic development here in Tucson. So we want to make sure that as we're putting money back into these businesses, that we're looking at those businesses as well. Because if you Mm -hmm. really look at what happened in 2022, it was our mom and pop businesses that were really able to push and get over that hump because we as a community put into what they were doing. So we see, especially with our Sprint program, we see a lot of makers. We see a lot of people that are in the pre-totyping and prototyping stages of their business. And they have something. And that's Something is going to grow to be great, but they may only need $50,000 to get over that hump. Mm. So that's when we're able to use tools like a WeFunder or Republic.io or even Kiva to get them $15,000 to infuse into their business. We're doing that in other ways, like the BIPOC loan fund and CIC has a micro lending program. But how can we really infuse $50,000 into a business that's going to help them make a difference? We as a community may have that. If 20 of us come together, there's no reason why we can't help a business cross the finish line to get to the next step. So with the tools that we are providing, we're going to teach people what investment looks like Hmm. as a non-accredited investor. And then we're going to open that up to accredited investors so they can see what it looks like on the other side when they're investing on WeFunder platforms. And the season of we can only do angel investment and we can't invest after you've done on the crowdfunding platforms are changing. People are seeing that 
this one cap table that you can invest in WeFunder or Republic.io, that's great. That gave you what you needed to get started. Now you've proved that this thing is amazing. Now we're ready to invest in you because you've taken the time to prove it out. But on the other side of that, they're coming through Startup Tucson and they're getting all the education to be great. We're not just giving them money. We're giving them the education and the tools they need to be successful throughout their business. And then on top of that, they get the money and they get the mentors and they get the education. And then you have this community of people who have not only backed what you have going on, but they show up for you. So our mom and pop businesses, we show up at their restaurants, we show up at their pop-up events, we show up at their events to make sure that we're there to support them, to let them know that they have a whole rally of people who are cheering from them on the sideline. Not only that, we put money where our mouth is. That's very cool. Again, if you're just joining us, we're with Kanisha Raymond in studio here this morning, the Director of Programs and Access to Capital for a Startup Tucson. Um, and many other things in the community, but you're here. Um, you're here um, as really a leading champion within startup of <clears throat> the rising Arizona investor network, Rain, uh, and there is a launch party uh, coming up for that. Um, but let's let's talk about it on the investor side because when you started talking, even before you mentioned WeFunder, uh, I thought, oh, that's kind of it. Kind of sounds like a localized version yes. of WeFunder because. Um, you know, a, a colleague of ours who um, who uh, started in Tucson, but then um, transitioned out of the community a couple years ago. Uh, Janelle Briggs, Ryan Egan, Stackhouse mm-hmm. was an entrepreneurial initiative that they really got off the ground using a platform like WeFunder. If it wasn't WeFunder itself, but it's these these smaller opportunities for people, kind of like you and me, not accredited investors, but maybe had some that we wanted to invest into a company locally, could do that. Is this the the Tucson the Tucson WeFunder? We are not the Tucson WeFunder. We do hold WeFunder in Startup Tucson. We do help people get on the platform as a partnership with CIC. The idea is is that we put them on the platform, but who's going to invest? And people like mm. you and me, yes, we know we can give $100, but maybe People are like, oh, that's my last $100, and what if, what if I don't get it back, right? <laughs> I need that for my coffee. I need that for my light bill. Whatever that is, is now we're bringing together people, a group of people. So we're taking this community, we're wrapping around the businesses, and we're taking that money and we're putting it in WeFunder. So as a group of people coming together, mm. we are changing the trajectory of a business, but also defining what an investor looks like. So you don't have to be accredited. Interesting. You don't got have it, to be it, an angel. It. You and I can invest just like we probably all did in Stackhouse. It was that little bit of money, and it was a lot of money that went into their campaign. They yeah, did, yeah. That was able to take them to the next level. But that's money that got them kicked off, and now they're able to grow and expand and things like that. When before, when they were pitching the angels, they just weren't there yet. And so now we're there. Now we can go to this next step. So if we did that as all of us coming into a WeFunder platform. So now we're putting our money on this WeFunder platform. Or there's a ton of other platforms that are out there that we'll be working with as well. We're putting all of our money in that space to invest in an actual company. But on the other side of that, it's like the risk, right? So the risk. How risky is it for me to invest in a company? Mm -hmm. And that will be a lot of the workshops and 
face-to-face workshops we're having. We're having workshops online. We'll have our capital conference, um, a part of 10 West. So you'll have all of that education kind of guiding you throughout. You'll also have mentors um, that will teach you how to invest and what it looks like to invest in these small businesses and what the platforms look like. And so now you have to learn more about the terms Mm -hmm. of different investments. Is that a revenue-based funding? Is that a note? What does that look like? Everyday people don't know this. So now we're making it simple and accessible for people to come actually learn. When before, it was behind closed doors, and these are the things that people do and they're making deals. Now we are the people giving the money and making the deals. That is so cool. So, so um, I want to ask this question before before we cut you loose, and the time is going by so quickly, and it, <laughs> and it always does, um, is who who is the right kind of person to participate in the Rising Arizona Investor Network? You've explained how it's kind of democratizing how does someone listening today uh, or listening to the podcast at a point down the road go, she's talking about me, I should probably get involved? How do they know? Who's that person? So I'm going to give a shout out to our TYP people. You are the right person. Our young professionals are the ones that really want to infuse back into the community. But then there's people that may not be a part of our young professionals. Um, So I'm thinking, and as we looked at it, it's people that make over a certain amount of money and have a little bit of extra that they can infuse back into businesses. But at the same time, if you're not there yet, the idea is for you to come learn because you will get there. You'll get there to a point. To buy into WeFunder, it is $100. Hmm. Do you have $100 to spare? Can you not go without that $100? Then maybe this is not the time. But you can get the education. You can get the education on how to infuse this. And on the other side of that, you may be a business owner saying, I want to give back. I want to be able to invest in another business to help them get off the ground. So come Mm -hmm. in and learn about it. I think we'll talk a lot more about that at our actual launch party. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you're thinking about WeFunder and Kiva, Kiva is like $15 or $25. So everything is pretty accessible. It's not the hundreds of thousands of dollars that we'll be giving out as angels. But collectively, we'll get to that hundred and thousands of dollars to give out. So basically, a startup, a startup Tucson is um, is a connector on this. You're not really reinventing the wheel. You're just not. creating a platform to say, yes. this is open. We're going to bring the Tucson community together. I'm thinking yes. of people I know who listen regularly, business owners, yes. successful entrepreneurs themselves, uh, people who have uh, created a... Uh, a nice kind of personal worth over the years in Tucson mm-hmm. and, and want to give back, you know, uh, to the community. And, and I've got people in my head uh, that I've gotten to meet over the years who I know listen to this show that I think would be perfect for this. And what a great way to sew back into the community and help create new businesses and new founders and new startups that can succeed. Uh, that can succeed in the Tucson community. Yeah, the fabric of our community is our startups. So when you're thinking about investing back into the community, know that you're investing right here in Tucson. We're making a difference right here in our community, um, and that's what's going to change everything for everyone else. So our corporate partners, our nonprofit partners, please show up and show up for our entrepreneurs. Uh, are people listening? Are they invited to the launch party? Can they come? Yes. So you can come to our launch party. It's on June 2nd. It's from 5 to 7.30. You can find out more information at startuptucson.com backslash rain. I love it. 
Kanisha Raymond, uh, spur the moment question. Can I keep you for one more short segment? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. I love it. Director of Programs and Access to Capital for Startup Tucson. I want to go a little bit more macro in the next uh, segment, but we're talking about how real Tucsonans can come together, put real dollars together to invest in other real Tucsonans to make a huge difference in our region. We'll be right back after a short bottom of the hour uh, messages and news break. Kanisha Raymond will be with us on the other side for part two of this conversation. Don't go anywhere. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. With preseason and the season opener in the books, FC Tucson is looking forward to a great season, and John Perlman and his squad aren't slowing down. Join your FC Tucson soccer club Saturday, April 30th, May 7th, and May 20th for Let's Go 520 night, celebrating this great city. Get your season or game tickets at fctucson.com, and let's pack Kino Stadium this season. That's fctucson.com. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Off. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. After you finish listening to The Tipping Point, listen to my show, The Hugh Hewitt Show, this morning from 10 to noon, right here on 1030 KBOI The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Genser on AM1030, KVOI, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Genser, joined in studio still by Kanisha Raymond, the Director of Programs and access to capital for Startup Tucson. This segment is sponsored in part by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall, serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15, 1-5% discount off your next order. And Kanisha, I know... You've been a little love burger because I think we were there together for something. I drag as many people as possible over there. It's great food. (laughs) And um, the Yenser Rogers rate is real. 15% off your next order. I'll go over for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) It's good stuff. Uh, Kanisha, time is just moving so quickly, but I wanted... Um, and you were gracious enough to give an extra segment. We were talking specifically this morning about the uh, rain 
uh, uh, initiative by Startup Tucson, Rising Arizona Investor Network. There's a launch party June 2nd next week, 5 to 7.30 at Forge at Roy Place, 44 North Stone. We encourage our listeners who want to uh, be uh, investors in Tucson's entrepreneurs. The, the, the barrier is lower than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Uh, we encourage our listeners to come and invest in the next generation of Tucson businesses and entrepreneurship. But I wanted to ask you, because you do direct programs and you are leading access to capital initiatives for Startup Tucson, it feels like in some ways Tucson's economy is still uh, slower to recover out of covid uh, than many of our counterparts in the state uh, and in the region. What do we have to do to meet the potential that we know is in Tucson to supercharge this environment of business and entrepreneurship that we aren't doing already? There's so many good seeds in the ground. How do we get it going? I think first, when we think about how we're coming back after COVID, I think we've done really well. I think we've got up, picked ourselves off off the ground, and we have forged forward to make sure that when we're looking at our economy, it's not Phoenix. It's not the rest of Arizona. Tucson is very unique, and I've only been here for five years, and I can tell you Tucson is unique, and it is the community that is able to help small businesses get up off the ground. It is the community that is able to help small businesses grow. So when we're thinking about what we can do differently and how we can really take those seeds and help them to grow... One, I'm going to go back to rain because that's what the name was all about. It is the water coming from the sky, (laughs) and then it is the bloom that comes after. And so how can we make it rain Mm. for our businesses so that they are able to bloom? And that's us coming together to educate each other, but also to help these businesses understand that they're not in it alone. So when you're thinking of how we can make it out of it, just like we made it through it together. We are better together and as partners and sponsors and all of the corporate partners that we have here, we can do this, but it's going to take us to come together to do it. We are just leading the charge. This is a community program. We do this for the community. So without the community coming together, this program will not be successful. I can teach all day. I don't have a problem talking, as you can see. Um, I can teach and and do that all day. People but, like me, like people like yes. you in, the, in this business. No, no shame. Yeah. So if the community can come together and yeah. do that, we can see this beautiful blossom of businesses, these seeds that have already been planted over the last year. We can see those be massive businesses. We don't want them to be corporate businesses. That's not what we're asking. We're asking for them to be uniquely themselves. And behind that, we will support them and help them bloom. Last question, because I I love your look on our environment for for business. Uh, Rapid fire question. We know some of the industries that Tucson is uh, specializes in. Mm -hmm. From the businesses you're getting to work with at Startup Tucson, is there an industry or a sector that you're like, wow, there's something here. If we put a little bit of water on this, Tucson could be really good at this thing and helping people focus on this thing to succeed. I think the two that, and it's two, that really stand out. Great. The more the merrier. Our food businesses. Uh I think people think, come to Tucson, there's great food, and they go to our local restaurants. But if you take Mm. a moment and go to our pop-ups or our food trucks, the food in Tucson is amazing and it's unique. And people are bringing different flavors from different countries and different continents. And so we're missing that because we're only going to the restaurants. So I think you're going to see a lot of blooming in the food businesses over the next years. We also have a program for food businesses. We try to fill holes and gaps where we see a need to be fit. Um, The other one is our creatives. Our creatives... 
if you look around town, how many people are wearing your Sigfus earrings or your West earrings? The creatives mm-hmm. are making a whole little space for themselves. When before they didn't see themselves as entrepreneurs, but they are. And now they're becoming these entrepreneurial businesses that are blowing up. And they're taking wholesale orders and they're around the country. So I think if we took a little bit more time to infuse into that. Um, also, on the other side of COVID, like if you look at the businesses that came out during COVID, it was our BIPOC entrepreneurs. Our BIPOC entrepreneurs are the ones that grew new businesses, were able to take care of their family, were able to put money back into the community and hire people. So we need to infuse money into those sectors. And I think once you infuse money into our women-owned businesses, our creatives, our food, and our BIPOC businesses, you're going to see the growth that we've never seen before. Yeah, and statistically, the access to capital um, from uh, uh, entrepreneurs of color and women is, is less than often some of the traditional founders um, that do have access to capital. So I think once you open up that market, I think by the numbers, you're absolutely right. And I think your mission, Kanisha, right, is to uh, look back in a few years and have grown 10 Tucson tamale companies. No one will be mad at you for launching 10 Tucson tamale companies, right? I think a a local Tucson story that started small like everybody does and is now nationwide wholesaling. It's a Tucson success story. And so I think uh, I think that 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 heritage is a part of part of what you're doing, Kanisha. I hate to to, to end the conversation here. I could keep going with you. Um, any last words before we go to our break? Ruben Navarrete's on the other side uh, to talk with us in part about uh, what happened in the last 24 hours in Uvalde, Texas. So, Kanisha, anything we missed before we go? Um, one thing is our goal is to infuse a million dollars into Tucson over the next two years through Ooh. everyday people and it. through our BIPOC loan fund. Um, the other thing is I want to take a moment to talk about what happened in Buffalo. Just take a moment to make sure that we are being, we're opening our eyes to what's happening. We're opening our eyes to what's happening. Our thoughts and prayers are great, but as a community, we need to come together and make a difference and an impact, and as well as what happened in Texas. Um, And thoughts and prayers, they're they're out there, but how can we make a difference in the community? How can our city leaders and people in the community change what's going on in the world? Enough is enough. Kanisha Raymond, great to be with you. Thank you so much for coming on, Director of Programs and Access to Capital for Startup Tucson, and um, uh, we'll see you next week. I know. I know. I'll see you next week. Yes, June 2nd. I love it. Thanks for what you're doing. Appreciate you, and we'll do this again soon. Thanks. Tucson, that does it for our feature conversation of this Wednesday hour of Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. On the other side, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country, syndicated across many platforms you would recognize. Ruben Navarrete will be with us to debrief uh, his view of some key national issues from his perch in sunny Southern California. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point. Don't go anywhere. Ten thirty, the voice, Tucson's trusted local news and talk. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the 70-plus startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges that houses the university's commercialization hub with several other projects coming out of the ground, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is proud to present Brad Kalhammer, 1159 to Tucson, a solo exhibition of works by Tucson-born 
Mason, New York-based Brad Callhammer, who creates highly personal narratives that are autobiographical reflections on three realms of his life, his indigenous heritage, his middle American upbringing in a white adoptive family, and his work as an artist and musician. To learn more and to get your tickets, go to TucsonMuseumOfArt.org. Hi, this is Ethan Orr from the University of Arizona, where we apply science for sustainability and economic opportunity. At the Arizona Cooperative Extension, we focus on youth leadership, water conservation, and environmental health. If you'd like to find out more about urban agriculture, youth development, or creating a healthier environment, call me, Ethan Orr, at 520-621-0906, or visit us at extension.arizona.edu. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? This is Bill Buckmaster. Join us for the Buckmaster Show at noon on 1030, Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. You're listening to this Wednesday edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here on AM 1030 KVUI. The Voice. This segment is sponsored by Decibel Coffee Works. It's the coffee the Yenser household drinks at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community. Stop by their location at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Uh, and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order uh, on anything you buy. Great conversation with Kanisha Raymond in the last couple of segments talking about a new investor network to launch startups here in southern Arizona, uh, Kanisha Raymond from Startup Tucson. Uh, but we now turn to uh, the guy we lean on, uh, to talk about national issues. Uh, Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country, comes on with us regularly to talk about his view of the world from his sunny perch in Southern California. Ruben Navarrete, good morning. Thanks again for being with us, and as always. Zach, great to be back with you. Thank you. 
So I was telling our listeners at the top of the hour, Ruben, that what you and I were talking about in the 10 o'clock hour yesterday in terms of what we talk about this morning uh, changed yesterday uh, yesterday afternoon. And, and I just have to get this off my chest, uh, Ruben. Of course, we're talking about the tragic shooting in Uvalde, Texas at Robb Elementary. Uh, you know, Ruben, this, this country has no chill uh, anymore. Within moments of this occurrence, um, it had been politicized in every which way you could imagine. And last night, Ruben, I just didn't have it in me. I don't even know if I still have it in me. Sometimes we just need 24 hours to grieve, um, and then we can figure out what's happening later. But uh, I, I just, you know, I didn't feel like arguing the politics on either side. You know, um, I, I just, just there just needs to be sometimes moments to go, man, uh, we, we need to grieve and share in grief. Um, but you've had time to process over the evening. Uh, Ruben, w- 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 on this side of a tragic shooting in Ovalde, Texas, uh, what, what's going on here in America? So America's broken because we have this um, unhealthy uh, fetish with guns and gun violence. Um, I grew up the son of a cop. My dad was on the job for 37 years. I grew up in a living room that had a Winchester above the fireplace. I learned how to fire a gun at an early age. Uh, I've always had guns in the house. Uh, And so I've never understood the fascination with guns. I I don't understand why, when you take a look at the pictures uh, that the the shooter in um, uh, um, Uvalde, Texas, was able to get a hold of, these military-style assault weapons, and I know the, the right will chase me around the block for even using the word assault weapons, but, you know, when weapons assault you, uh, it's an assault weapon. Uh, these these uh, high-powered uh, military-style weapons that cost a bunch of money that shouldn't be readily available to people but are, uh, and that people see fit to have one, two, ten of them sometimes stockpiled in their homes, and they've gotten to their minds, this, these people who normally like to talk about strict construction Every time they confirm a Supreme Court justice, you know, they're, they're really against on the right. The conservatives hate uh, judicial activism. They, they really want to read the Constitution as a strict legal document. And they ignore the fact that the Second Amendment is there, you know, because of a, of a need for a well-regulated militia. Uh, this was not what John Che, James Madison, and Alexander Hamilton had in mind with the Second Amendment. And there's a big difference between my dad's Winchester and an AR-15 uh, assault weapon. And so it's, it's terrible that we've gotten to this point when, it's not, when there's not a racial component attached to it, as there was in Buffalo. When the shooter doesn't leave behind a manifesto saying, basically, I'm killing people because of the color of their skin, then we don't get distracted by the racial discussion, and we end up talking about guns and violence. And, and there we have this kind of a different level of broken. Um, and so broken people shouldn't, shouldn't have ready access to guns, not at 18 or 21 or ever. Um, but what do you do when our society uh, seems to be broken? Because we lived through this horrible Groundhog Day over and over and over again. And you know, I think the USA is suffering from PTSD because it's my job to keep track of news. And every single day there's another story. I'm not talking about just shooting stories. I'm talking about focus on abortion and then focus on Buffalo and then focus on this and focus on that. And there's so much coming at you at one time um, that it's, it's very difficult to keep up. But, yeah, it's a terrible, terrible sad day for those families and for all of us uh, in this uh, day of this, this massacre. Ruben, what do we know about the, about the shooter at this point? His name was Salvador Ramos, I believe. You have an 18-year-old 
Mexican-American, which you have to understand, Arizona is a lot like Texas. I've lived in both places. And um, typically, if you go to, it's counterintuitive, but when you go to the rural areas, you're more likely to find Mexican-Americans than Mexican immigrants. You might find tons of Mexican immigrants in Phoenix, but when you're down near the border, if you're looking at some of those towns, small towns, uh, you're much more likely to find Mexican-Americans than you are uh, to find Mexican immigrants. And so sure enough, this town was about um, 78% Latino, mostly Mexican-American. The shooter appears to have been Mexican-American. Uh, and uh, he's someone who like, a lot of folks in, in the town knew that his motives are still unclear. Um, but, um, you know, he waited. I, I was mentioning this to my daughter yesterday, who was 17, and I said, it's very interesting to me that these shooters intend, if you, if you really go back and look at the ages involved, they're either 21 or 18 oftentimes. They're 21 or they're 18. The Atlanta hmm. shooter at the Asian Spa was 21. The El Paso shooter was 21. Uh, this one was 18. And the reason is they wait until they turn 18 to buy the gun that they're legally required to buy at 18. They have to be 18 to buy it. Or they wait until 21 in some states where the law says 21. And I find it really that counterintuitive that you're about to go off and commit mass murder. In this town in Texas, you killed 19 kids and two adults. And yet you have the for law and rules and regulations and you wait until your birthday to get a hold of this gun because after you break the law and get a hold of it that's legally permitted to have. Uh, I have these 18 and 21 year olds who tells me that there's, to some degree, there's a lot of import in how we decide who gets guns, who has access to guns, and, and put it off as long as possible in many cases. But uh, the fact that the NRA, after Parkland, in 2018, fought the Republican governor, fought the Republican governor of Florida when he wanted to change the, the legal age, uh, age at which you could buy a long gun from 18 to 21. And they fought him over those three years. Tells you everything you need to know about the fanatics who run the gun lobby. Who, by the way, I'll say this about the left, are not altogether, not altogether different from the fanatics run the pro-abortion law for choice body. This is how Ripley has to be in the center. Because depending on your issue, you will run across these groups that will not budge, that will not negotiate, they want 100% of their way 100% of the time. And sure, the NRA is going to fight a Republican governor over what it thinks is the unreasonable request that would say you have to be 21 and not 18 to buy a long gun. Yes, that's definitely what Madison had in mind with the Second Amendment. Ruben, uh, <clears throat> again, I'm, I'm in this personal tension of, you know, can we can we give this moment of grief 24 hours before we dive into the politics? But, uh, I mean, this is, uh, we're having this conversation now, and you're here, and you watch the issues closely. Um, let's, let's talk Ruben in the center. Um, if you had the magic policy wand to try and figure out how do we, how do we do... Uh, something to prevent these things from happening as often as they do in America. Again, you mentioned there are strong feelings on the left and there are strong feelings on the right uh, on this issue. Um, What what would be the common sense kind of policy solution needed uh, after moments like this? Yeah, that's not not my job. I'm not going to do that. Um, Be wary of any journalist anywhere who answers that question with policy solutions of their own. 
those people should stop being journalists and go run for office. Uh, but there's a bunch of those folks at the New York Times. If you go to the editorial page there, you'll find many a columnist who will come up with many a solution on many a social problem. I have my own ideas about that. It's not my job to solve that. I think typically people say, you know, what are your, what's your solution? Then they chip away at the solution. I'm not saying you would do that, but typically that's how Twitter works. You know, what's your solution? Um, ultimately, this goes to a serious discussion about the ease with which people get guns, the degree to which we have romanticized the use of guns, and how it is that we can somehow balance what the Second Amendment says and the fact that we are a gun culture. And just because, you know, the gun that won the West, we're a long way from the Winchester, the, the lore of the 1873 Winchester and the 45 Colt, and we're a long way from, you know, that versus people who stockpile guns, and they don't let us have a conversation about you can only limit this many guns. You have to have that many guns. Uh, we're going to limit ammunition. Oh, well, you're threatening my rights. Again, it's, it's very much like the abortion debate. Anytime I try to put a restriction on abortion, the pro-choicers come at you hard. You can't do that. Can't do that. Uh, waiting periods for parental notification laws, late-term abortion. No, no, no. You can't do that. That infringes on women's rights and abortion. And likewise, I can't deal with people like that. Those people are not reasonable. They're not sane anymore. Okay? So likewise, we're dealing with guns. You're telling me that, that the Second Amendment allows you to have this, this weapon of war that doctors say that when they cut open the body to take out, to see what the damage has been done by an AR-15, there's no hole in the liver. It's the liver's been pulverized. There's no liver anymore. You know, it's just completely gone. So these kinds of weapons that were never meant to be used by civilians, speaking as the son of a cop, I don't need any gun nut lecturing me about the importance of public safety, okay? I was there. We were with my dad. He was on the job. At 3 in the morning when my father and other cops are knocking on the door in a domestic violence situation, and the woman is saying, oh, yeah, my, son, my, my husband's in the bedroom. He's locked himself in the bedroom, and he has tons of guns in there with him. Zach, at those moments, where is Wayne LaPierre? Where's the NRA? They're home in bed, nice and safe and warm. And it's the cops on the beat in Tucson or Phoenix or wherever who have to go over there and face those guns. And so we have to be honest about the, the damage we're doing to our society but with this, this fetish about guns. And we need to, to grow up and get over it. We're not, this is not the Old West anymore. Ruben Navarrete is with us. He's a widely syndicated columnist across this country, host of Ruben in the Center. Uh, Ruben, uh, as we always like to end, what else are you working on? Where can people find you? And uh, you get mail, and you read the mail, and you respond to the mail, whether people agree with you or not. And uh, being in the Center, you get a lot of mail from yep. everybody. So where can people find you and uh, hit you up uh, yes. outside of this? Well, I'm writing on the left for the Daily Beast. I have a piece coming out on police reform this week. I'm writing on the right for Newsmax. I have a piece coming out about how Latinos uh, are drifting to the Republican Party because the Democrats are blowing it. Ruben in the center. Find me in the center, writing for both right and left with common sense and truth as my guide. Ruben Navarrete, as always, thank you. I think we were going to touch on one of those two themes here today, but that was, again, before uh, the tragic incident in Uvalde, Texas, that we have been speaking about this morning. Uh, and uh, as much of a, uh, a regional and local show that we are, we lean on Ruben's look on national issues to talk about the national issues of the day. Ruben, thank you as always. We'll see you around. Uh, stay safe out there. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Ruben. 
When we come back tomorrow, Jensen Azarius, uh, CEO of Higher Ground, will be with us. Uh, we'll talk about how we catch our students up from the last couple of years. Devin Underwood from Workforce Pivots will make sure we've got tabs on uh, the labor market of Tucson and our region and today helping companies keep and bring in great talent to succeed in your next level of business. That and more. Hugh Hewitt's up next. Bill Buckmaster at noon. Thanks for listening, Tucson. We'll be back tomorrow.